Hey there, future fans. This week, Super Bad gets super young, Mom goes missing, and we love our boss. This is the week of August 16th, 2019, and this is episode 146 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show it is good to be back it's good to have you back and i don't know why i keep saying back because i didn't go anywhere but let's just pretend i did something fun and awesome and you missed me a lot and i'm back and we can all celebrate now because the family is back together it is another hot day so if you hear a weird sound in the background it's just the fan again but it's an interesting week for movies and i say that because this was one of those weeks where i had no idea what was coming out before doing the notes i really didn't some weeks i know of course because there's some huge blockbusters some big movie or something i've been really excited for is coming out so I, I know what's coming out this week but this week i didn't really know i saw the list of movies and basing it just off the poster i know you shouldn't they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but I, I think a book is the only thing you should judge by its cover because it could tell you a lot and I know I've said this before but we may have new listeners and they'll think I'm very clever now they, they probably won't but as I was saying I was looking at the movies coming out and I hadn't I've heard of some of them but I wasn't super stoked and as I was making the show notes you know to when I do my show notes I write down the movie name the premise and who's in it and then I watch the trailer the trailer then tells me if, if I have to rewrite the premise and then I put it in a section whether it's the limited release section or the wide release section in interesting indies but I found that as I was going on with the trailers there are more movies in the wide release section than I thought there was going to be. So I think that says it's going to be a pretty good week for movies, even though not a lot of these are going to be theater watches. Not, not really. There are a lot of movies I think you should put on your list, but mm, I'm, I'm not sure about the theater. But that's enough of me moitering. Let us get into the introduction, then we will go along our way into the show proper. So what is the show? What do I do? This is Future Flicks with Billiam, and on this show I do quite a few things. I always start the show with some rambling, as you just heard, and then we get into the news that is any new news that has dropped or caught my eye since the last episode, and then the trailer trove, which is any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode, and in those sections, if I didn't talk about something you think I should have, let me know, because I do miss things. I am not as perfect as I try and make you believe I am. Do you hear all this sultry, perfectly enunciated goodness? That is thanks to editing, because I screw up so much and I have to delete so much. You know, I know if I kept the show normal, if I just didn't do a lot of editing, then it would, I guess it would make it feel more real. But at the same time, I think I screw up so much that I think it would really just, just lower the quality. So after the news and trailer trove, we go into the movies, which are broken up into two, count them, two segments. The first segment is the indie movies, the limited release section. Those are any movies that are not getting a limited release and also did not catch my eye. In that section, I tell you what it's about, 
who's in it, and then we move on. In the next section, wide releases and interesting indies, it's just what it sounds like, all wide releases, and any indie movies that I think are interesting enough to warrant a few more words and a rating on my part. In this section, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, then I give a thought on it, and then I wrap it up with a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score, that goes anywhere from a zero for those terrible movies to an 11 for those movies that just blow my mind. And then we wrap it all up with a question of the week, and then I send you along your way to the other wonderful shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. So, my future friends, without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from comicbook.com, and... New photos have been, well, well, the first photos actually have been released of the Clifford the Big Red Dog live action movie set. Just like a lot of movies these days, this is a mix of live action and CG. And yes, Clifford will be CG because no, we have yet to find a dog that big. Some people have been calling these pictures terrifying, and no, this movie is not a horror. They're calling it terrifying because in these pictures, we are seeing what is being used for a stand-in for Clifford the Big Red Dog while filming is going on. And what we see looks like, it kind of looks like if they took Barney and stripped away all the outer fluff and Barney had some sort of f***ed up skeleton and then they dipped it in blood and then just made it a little bit bigger. And that's what—that's kind of what it looks like. Check out the pictures. It, it does look just a little scary. And my main issue right now, and it's way too early to tell if this is an issue that deserves even being talked about, but from what I can tell in all of these pictures, the girl is not a little blonde girl. Is it that hard to find a little blonde girl just like in the goddamn books is it you know that's something that actually makes me angrier than i thought it would not just this but anytime it happens anytime in a movie that's based off some other form of media or movie before it where we have a character that has an established look and they change something as stupid as the hair like why was it impossible for this little girl to wear a wig or dye her hair okay maybe, maybe don't make the kid dye her hair sure i get that wear a f***ing wig. Is it that hard? No, it's not. Look at Scarlett Johansson. That living tree changed her hair so many f***ing times over the course of all these movies. If she can do it, everyone else can do it. Oh, and I just saw something even worse. In one of the pictures, if you zoom in, you can see the legs of the guy walking around in the stand-in suit. Oh my god, this looks even worse. Oh my god. And the, there's this little boy in these pictures, and it looks like he's some flavor of Asian, so maybe that means I have to support this film. I, I don't know. We'll see. Clifford the Big Red Dog has a tentative release date of November 13th, 2020. This next story comes to us from Digital Spy. We do know that A Quiet Place 2 is in the works, and we thought we knew that Brian Tyree Henry from if movies like If Beale Street Could Talk and Hotel Artemis, we thought we knew that he was going to be in it, but it looks like he has stepped away and is being replaced by Jimin Honsu. Jimin Honsu, of course, more recently we have seen him in movies like the Marvel movies. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy and he was in um, Captain Marvel. This movie has a March 20th, 2020 release date. Ladies and gentlemen, this next story comes to us from Metro Entertainment. And do you remember that we got two live-action G.I. Joe movies? 
We had G.I. Joe, The Rise of a Cobra from 2009 and G.I. Joe Retaliation from 2013. Two movies that were a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Except Retaliation did disappoint me because they killed my favorite character. Okay, actually, my favorite character wasn't in it. And then my second favorite character was killed in like the first 10, 20 minutes. Well, we are getting two more G.I. Joe movies this coming. Let's see. Right now, it's been six years since the last movie came out. Uh, The first of the next two movies will come out next year. And actually, both of these movies are set to hit theaters next year tentatively, assuming nothing else changes. The first of these movies is called G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. And the next is called G.I. Joe Ever Vigilant. I have seen conflicting reports on this. The first report says that G.I. Joe Snake Eyes will be coming out October 16th. And then I've seen a report that G.I. Joe Ever Vigilant is coming out October 16th next year. And another saying that there's only one movie and it just changed names. But until I get any clarification on this, I am going by this very article right here that says we are getting two movies next year. As of now, there is no official premise and no official cast for either film. This next story comes to us from Digital Spy. Fantastic Beasts 3 now has a release date, casting information, and a few plot details. You know, whoever wrote this article needs to work on being not so confusing. But I got the gist of it after rereading it. I had to pause and reread the whole thing. But now we know that Fantastic Beasts 3 is getting November 12th, 2021 release date. It was supposed to come out next year. November 20th, 2020, but it looks like that production has been pushed back and that filming will only start in the spring of 2020. Dan Fogler, one of the actors in the series, says that they needed more time to prep and that Warner Brothers has insisted that they know how to make the movie better. But keeping the crimes of Grindelwald in mind, it's not that hard to make it better from there because that movie was ballsack soup. And folks, despite my speculation that we've seen the last of Johnny Depp in the Fantastic Beast series, he is returning. And it turns out that it was this article title was kind of clickbaity because we don't know a plot yet. The only thing we do know is that it takes place in Rio de Janeiro. This next story from comicbook.com isn't really news, it's just fun that both Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie would want to be in Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek movie if he ever got to do it. As more and more time passes, a lot of stars are coming forward saying they want this movie to happen, though Tarantino himself isn't holding his breath. This next story comes to us from Decider. Quentin Tarantino has a decision to make. You all may have heard that His next movie is supposed to be his last film, and he's going to retire from directing after that. But now there's speculation as to what that film could be. We all know that he did write that Star Trek film, and that he'd be interested in directing it. We do know that he wants to do a third Kill Bill movie and has a script. But also he said in an interview with The Independent that he would like to do a horror movie. He says, if I come up with a terrific horror film story, I will do that as my 10th film. I love horror movies. I would love to do a horror film. This next story comes to us from Fansided. Apparently, we're getting a live-action Lady and the Tramp remake, and from what I understand from this article, it's not CG. Apparently, they're using rescue animals. At the very least, the dog that plays Tramp is a rescue animal. Uh, They have posted pictures of these dogs already, and they are adorable oh actually i guess it's just tramp that's a rescue dog lady is being played by a dog named rose which 
cool. I didn't really need to know its name, but now we know. Wrote Lady, that is, is being voiced by Tessa Thompson. And Tramp is a rescue puppet named Monty, and he will be voiced by Justin Thoreau. This movie will be coming out on Disney Plus and only on Disney Plus on November 12th. Oh, actually, we know a couple more people who are doing voices for this. Sam Elliott, Janelle Monet, Yvette Nicole Brown, Benedict Wong. So yeah, that's a pretty interesting vocal cast right there. Let us step into our next story that comes to us from Digital Spy. As you probably already know, we are getting a reboot of the Home Alone series thanks to Disney. We're getting more Avatar movies, and we're getting another Planet of the Apes series. But according to this article, there were about 246 movies that got the axe that apparently Disney just took a lot of movies from Fox and that were in some form of development and just got rid of it. And there were some notable movies there. The least notable but still interesting one is a Ben Affleck movie that is about an ex-cop turned McDonald's security guard who stole a winning McDonald's Monopoly ticket to sell to the highest bidder. While that doesn't sound interesting, um, I would like to have seen what Ben Affleck would have done. We also had a Flash Gordon remake that got the axe that was from Taika Waititi. We will see if that gets put back on the list just because Taika Waititi works with Disney really well, and maybe he can sell it to them. We also know that a Stephen King adaptation, The Boogeyman, was announced and uh, that's been canceled. But of course, The Boogeyman has been made already. It was made in 1982 and remade in 2010. And we were getting a all-female League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's remake. Excuse me, actually a reboot, not a remake. And if you know me, you know that even though I acknowledge that people use those terms uh, interchangeably a lot, I do view them as separate things. And there's also going to be a 3D return of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That was also given the axe. The Die Hard prequel has now been scrapped, as well as a Pinocchio prequel. The Die Hard prequel was called McLean, and the Pinocchio uh, prequel was called The Three Misfortunes of Geppetto. There is a Sandlot prequel that got the axe. Another Assassin's Creed movie, but... Maybe that's for the best. And a live-action adaptation of Magic the Gathering. And that's really weird. That's really weird to me that they would do a Magic the Gathering uh, movie. What they should do is do a Magic the Gathering animated TV show because I think that that would be better. They, they could do a live-action one, but the story is so vast. And I think it would cost too much and wouldn't get enough uh, enough attention so i think it would be eventually canceled whereas fans of magic the gathering probably wouldn't mind an animated movie so it would get the same amount of views and cost less and some of you may have heard about this just because the president's involved in it and involved with sarcastic air quotes universal cancels the release of the movie the hunt the hunt which i talked about last week in the trailer trove it was originally put on the chopping block because of the recent mass shootings but then president trump attacked the movie and they pulled it. And I really hope that the president didn't have too much to do with that. Because I don't give a shit who the president is. It could be Trump. It could be Obama. It could be Bush, Clinton, Reagan, Carter. I don't give a flying f- I don't think the president should have that much sway over a movie. If any of those presidents I mentioned had ever said, oh, I don't think this movie should be made or, you know, talk shit about a movie. I very much hope that whoever is behind the movie went, oh, well, let's release it anyway. Uh, If they're canceling the release because of the recent mass shootings, I can see why, and I I can really sympathize with that, 
But if you look at the plot of the movie, it's not about a mass shooting. And so it seems like a, 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 an idea that comes from a good place, but was poorly executed. This is just another violent movie, and there are tons of violent movies released every year. But either way, we're not going to see this movie. If it does come out, it's either going to come out sometime, and this is just my speculation. If it does come out, it will probably come out sometime next year, or it will go straight to streaming. And in funny news, this from metro.co.uk, because I have to say it that way every time, Gwyneth Paltrow is a huge idiot. Like we didn't already know that. I still like her. Uh, I've liked a lot of roles she, she's she been in. I like her as an actress, but she is a f***ing moron. What has she done this time? Well, you all heard about how she didn't know she was in a Marvel movie, and that just kind of blows my mind. She didn't know she was in Spider-Man Homecoming, and her excuse, and some people who defended her, their excuse was, oh, all these movies, you, you finish filming one, and then you start with another one right away, but I, I don't buy that as an excuse. That That's a very lame excuse, and it doesn't hold much water. But now, it's being reported that she had no idea Samuel L. Jackson was in the MCU, because apparently during that scene, the the only scene, I believe, where they meet in the entire MCU, correct me if I'm wrong, and the reason I'm not being more forward about that scene is because it is a huge spoiler, and the movie isn't, you know, hasn't been out that long. But when she saw him on set, she was apparently confused as to his presence. And you know what? In her defense, I understand that maybe even though she stars in them, comic book movies aren't her bag. I, I can get that. I can also get that there are a lot of actors out there who don't watch their own movies. I can understand that. But the Marvel movies are such a huge deal and all over the news so often that how can you miss the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is one of the biggest stars in this whole thing? So, yes, Gwyneth Paltrow is a f***ing idiot. This next story, let's see if there's how many more are there. Okay, second to last story. This one comes from Uprox. We now know the pricing. Unless something changes last minute, we know the pricing of Disney+. Plus. We already knew that it was going to be about $6.99 a month, but there would also be an annual plan for $69.99. Well, apparently that was just a rumor. So what we know now is a few things. First, the biggest news is that there's going to be a bundle available. A bundle for $12.99, which will have Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+. Plus. This version of Hulu will probably come with ads because something Anne pointed out to me that every time we have seen Hulu in a bundle with something else, it has never been the adless version, which I think is a stupid move. I would gladly pay a little more for a bundle with adless Hulu because I pay a little more right now for Hulu without ads because f that sh and I'm happy with it. But either way, if you want to see all of these things and you like bundling, then this is the starting price. They are not promising that this is going to be the price forever, but as of right now, this is the price. So when this does come out and you want Disney Plus, it may be worth getting the year subscription just because it would lock you into that price for a year and then re renewing it for a year every time. I mean, being hit for 70 bucks if you just get Disney Plus, not the bundle, but getting hit for 70 bucks at one time, steep, sure, but once a year, not a bad idea. And after flipping to the final story, I see it's something I've mostly talked about already, and it's the the canceled movies and the future plans for the Fox properties that Disney got. The only one I forgot to mention, which wasn't in that article, but it's in this other one that I saved, was that N Night at the Museum is going to be one of those reboots. 
And I am really scared because Night at the Museum is one of my favorite movie trilogies. It is, I think it's just fantastic. It is a great family comedy. It is, it is interesting. It is just a well done series. And I don't think we need to reboot this. And if we do, then how are they going to deal with Robin Williams? I guess when it comes to that, only time will tell. But ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Let us take a quick break and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. And we'll be right back with the trailer trove. Imagine yourself on a journey with the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. So without further ado, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, my friends. Yes, it is time for the trove, and we have a few good-looking trailers. The first, and the one that dropped most recently as of this recording, is the Little Women trailer. And I'm still surprised that I'm interested. And I'm interested for a few reasons. But first, let me tell you why I didn't think I would be as interested as I am. It's because this is the what number remake of this movie? How many times has this movie been remade? Just, was it last year or earlier this year? We had a modern day remake of the movie. But I watched the trailer and I'm excited. This comes to us from director and scriptwriter Greta Gerwig. Of course, this is based on the book by Louisa May Alcott. But Greta Gerwig adapted it into a new screenplay and directed this. And it stars Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Emma Watson. And playing Beth is someone named Eliza Scanlon, who's from Sharp Objects. Also in it is Timothy Calumet, Meryl Streep, Laura Dern, Bob Odenkirk, and Chris Cooper. That is a hell of a cast. That is an amazing cast. And though this movie is period accurate, you can tell it has a little bit of Greta Gerwig's style in it. And, you know, I'm not terribly familiar with her, but just comparing this trailer to older incarnations of Little Women, you can really see the little touches she put on it. So I'm really looking forward to this. And we have a release date of December 25th this year for this film, which means I have to read this book by the end of the year. Next up, folks, we have a trailer for a film called Dolomite Is My Name. This is a biographical comedy based on the making of the 1975 Black exploitation film. God, that took me too many takes to say. <laughs> the 1975 black exploitation film, and do you still see I can't really say it, of the same name. This stars Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, Keegan Michael Key, Chris Rock, Craig Robinson, Titus Burgess, Mike Epps, uh, let's see, Snoop Dogg. And in this, Eddie Murphy plays Rudy Ray Moore, the writer 
and star of Dolomite. And if you want if you want to see something really awesome, just watch the original trailer for the 1975 Dolomite and it is unintentionally hilarious. This is a Netflix movie that's getting a small theatrical release this fall. Next up we have a film that just happened to catch my eye. It was on my YouTube feed for some reason. You know that silly YouTube algorithm and how it works. But it's a trailer for a film called A Hidden Life, and it really surprised me. This is a German movie about a conscientious objector during World War II. He refused to fight for the Nazis, and we basically get to see the hell that brought him. And you know, I have said multiple things about World War II, and one of those things is that there's one group of people you can always kill in a movie, and it's okay, no one will say shit, and that's Nazis. But also, something that I bring up every once in a while, is that not all of the German soldiers were these monsters. True, probably a bunch of them were, but if they didn't support Hitler and if they didn't like go into the army when they were asked to or told to guess what Shit was bad for them they were treated just like the enemy okay maybe not just like the enemy but they're treated pretty bad this film is inspired by true events and I don't know how inspired it is but it looks really good it looks depressing as all hell but it looks like one of those really well-acted foreign films that you just gotta watch and it blows you away. But it also probably depresses you because I don't see how this ends well. I really don't. This is set to come out late this year, so around Christmas. And it is an almost a three-hour-long movie. And it does have some people we would know. It's the final film from actor Michael Nyquist, who we know from John Wick. Also has Matthias Schoenarts and Bruno Ganz. Oh, wow, this is the... Oh, second to last movie from Bruno Ganz, who died February 16th of this year. Michael Nyquist, and I know I'm saying that wrong, but I'm just going to keep on putting a little accent on it, just to pretend I know what I'm doing, died in 2017 at the age of 56. Next up, we have a movie that I forgot was coming out. I talked about it on the show when it was announced, and we have a trailer for it, and uh, I don't care anymore. This is called A Million Little Pieces, based off the controversial book by James Fry, and it's about his his trying to be sober, or from what I understand, his successful sobriety. This was so controversial, if you don't remember, because this became an Oprah book club pick, and you know people just blindly listened to Oprah, so everyone read this. It became a big deal, huge book. Then it came out that he lied. But here's the thing, he didn't lie about a whole lot of stuff, at least from what I remember. Let, you know, let me look it up just in case. Maybe other stuff came out. So a few more things came out than I thought. So he had changed a few things. He never served jail time, but in the book he said he did. He said he had a, a shit ton of root canals and they couldn't give him sedatives for it because he's an addict. But apparently that was a lie. I'm not sure if it was fully a lie or the amount of amount of dental work he had was a lie. He made up a fight that happened and in rehab he may have made up his girlfriend because he said that he lied about her way of death that he said that she slit her wrists but she really hung herself but someone on behalf of Smoking Gun said that they couldn't corroborate that and I'm guessing to this day we still don't know if she died if she existed. But Aaron Taylor Johnson, who you would know from things like Kick-Ass, said that he didn't care about those controversies because he says the spirit of the story is more than the lies. So he got the rights to this book 
turned into a movie. It was filmed in 20 days. And after watching the trailer, I I am not excited at all. I still really like this book. Even with all the lies he told, I still think the spirit of recovery, of fighting drug addiction, I think that's a big deal. I still think that the book does a good job doing that. Technically, it has to be labeled as fiction because he made up some stuff. I still think the book does a good job. But after watching the trailer, seeing it, seeing it turned into a movie, it doesn't look like it's going to be interesting. Even with this cast, as Aaron Taylor Johnson, Billy Bob Thornton, Charlie Hunnam, Giovanni Ribisi, Odessa Young, Juliet Lewis, and I think that's it for the main people. Even with that cast, this looks like a pass, but if it interests you at all, it comes out December 6th. And it actually looks like that's it for the trailer trove. I, I went looking and there's some okay looking trailers but nothing i really think is worth talking about as always if i miss something let me know but right now let us take a break as we hear a word from our friends at the nerds of the squared circle podcast we'll be right back nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. And we're back. We are back with the limited release movies. And the first movie we're going to talk about in the limited section is called Bunel in the Labyrinth of the Turtles. This is an animated movie about the director Luis Bunel and how his second film came to be. This is an animated movie from Spain that's getting a limited release in New York and L.A. Normally, this would have been a movie up my alley and I would have talked about it, but I just can't get behind it. The trailer, the animation style, everything was just a little too off for me. Next up, we have a film called American Bistro. A milk toast guy thinks he's hit rock bottom after he finds his boss and his wife sleeping together. He decides he needs more in life, so he grabs his deadbeat nephew and together they try and chase their old dream of opening a restaurant. This stars no one of note. And if you thought you heard me say milk toast, you're right. Milk toast means a timid or feeble person. But actually what it really means is that some uppity asshole wants to show they know a big word. Next up, we have a film called Already Gone. Robinson and Keisha go on the run from Robinson's abusive father, Martin. The two must do all they can to survive as Martin and his friends hunt for them. This stars Sean William Scott from Evolution. The next movie this week is a movie called... Boss Level. A retired special forces officer is trapped in a never-ending time loop on the day of his death. So basically, happy death day, but with Frank Grillo instead. This stars Frank Grillo from The Grey, Mel Gibson from Lethal Weapon, Naomi Watts from St. Vincent, Annabelle Wallace from Annabelle, Michelle Yeoh from Crazy Rich Asians, Will Sasso from The Three Stooges, and Ken Jeong from Community. And really, whoever greenlit this movie just needs to get punched in the face. This was a bad idea. Next up, we have a film called The Second Son. Two lost souls meet one cold night in post-war Manhattan. Before dawn, their secrets are revealed. This man and woman may believe in love, but can love conquer all? This stars Eden Epstein from Sweet Bitter. 
Next up, we have a movie called End of the Century. Two men meet in Barcelona, and after spending a day together, they realize that they've already met 20 years ago. They also have a metric crap ton of sex. That last part is what I call ad-libbing. This is a movie from Argentina, but filmed in Spain. Next up, we have the first of three documentaries. The first one is called ZZ Top, That Little Old Band from Texas. This is a documentary about how three oddball teenagers became one of the biggest bands in the history of rock and roll. And this is great news for you if you like ZZ Top. I appreciate them, but I I think I will leave this documentary where it is. Next up, we have Cold Case, Hammerschold. Danish director Mads Brugger and Swedish private detective Goran Bjorkdal, yeah, sure, we'll go with that, are trying to solve the mysterious death of Dag Hammerschold. And from what early reviews are telling me, they go deep, deep into the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. So maybe this could be fun. And it also looks like they don't take themselves too seriously. Next up, we have a documentary called Aquarilla. This documentary follows water. Yeah, water. From the mountains of ice that move and break apart to the frozen waters of Russia to the throes of Hurricane Irma in Miami, this follows water in all its glorious forms. And the final movie in the limited section is a film called Awake. A man wakes in a hospital bed with no recollection of who he is. He learns that he's wanted for committing a series of murders, but did he really do it? This stars fallen star Jonathan Reese Myers from The Tudors, Malik Yuba from Cool Runnings, and William Forsyth from Raising Arizona. And I know it sounds f***ed up to say, but I really think that Jonathan Reese Myers' attempted suicide was the beginning of the end for his career. Because think about it, he was starting to become really popular. Uh, The Tudors was a big show, he started doing more and more movies, and then he kind of fell from grace. And we also had the same thing from Owen Wilson, but of course he seemed to be able to hold on and stay at the level he was at. And also pointed out that Owen Wilson's first movie back was Marley and Me, so just hit us right in the feels. And that is it for the limited release section. Let us take a break and hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Right next up, we have the wide releases and interesting indies. But before we fully get into that, I have an honorable mention. This movie almost made it in the limited section, but it just it just kind of looks cool. And I never saw the first one. I never knew this was a series, but this is a Chinese action flick. And this is called Line Walker 2. The black police have surfaced. And just a quick note, that's what they call the bad police. Like black as in evil, not black as in color of skin. Just just FYI. So the black police have surfaced. 
a highly dangerous group made up of kidnapped and trained former children threaten the peace. A group of cops are called upon to once again save the day. But is there a traitor in their midst? It just looks pretty cool. Um, I want to watch Lion Walker 1 now just to see if it's interesting at all. Because if you remember Martin Scorsese's movie The Departed, that wonderful film was based on a Chinese movie called Infernal Affairs. And I haven't seen Infernal Affairs even though I want to. But from what I hear, it's almost a shot for shot remake. And I love The Departed. And China does some really good movies. And so I, I am interested in this. I'm not going to give it a score just because it's an honorable, honorable mention. It almost didn't make it just because good luck finding the first one. I just wish you luck. The first official movie in the wide releases an interesting indie section is a film called Driven. Jim is in trouble with the FBI and needs them off his back. Lucky or unlucky for him, his new neighbor is none other than John DeLorean. The FBI comes to Jim and asks him to be an informant and get dirt on his new friend. This is based off the real events that led up to the fall of John DeLorean. And yes, this is the second movie this year based on the life of John DeLorean and based off this exact moment too. We had that mix of biopic documentary behind the scenes making of film starring, oh, who was it? Alec Baldwin as John DeLorean. But this film stars Jason Sudeikis from Horrible Bosses. Lee Pace as John DeLorean from Guardians of the Galaxy, Judy Greer from Ant-Man, Aaron Mortiarty from Captain Fantastic, and Corey Stoll from House of Cards. Just to show how many people have been in Marvel movies, this, this film has three Marvel actors in it. It has Lee Pace, Judy Greer, and Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll was in Ant-Man. Oh, shit, he was in Ant-Man as well. I'm not sure if he had any scenes with... I think he did. I think he did... I was in a scene with Judy Greer. Good for him. Anyway, this is another movie that almost made it in the limited section, but I just I just think it could be interesting because of the quality of actors we have in this. I like Lee Pace a lot. It looks like he does a great job. I like Judy Greer a lot. I'm a huge fan. Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll is in one of my favorite scenes in movie history. It's the scene in the movie Midnight in Paris when he's playing... Oh, God, who's he playing? Ernest Hemingway, I think? I have to look this up. Yes, he does play Ernest Hemingway. Fantastic film if you haven't seen it. And he gives this wonderful speech that's just captivating and intense, and I liked it a whole lot. You should check it out. As for Driven, it looks highly skippable, but not bad. It doesn't look like it'd be a terrible film to see, but nothing that should really, really get your butt into the theater seat. Maybe just one of those days later on, a few years down the line, when you're just bored, can't find something to watch, and you stumble upon this on some streaming service or on Redbox or something like that, and you go, why not this? Driven gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Diving Fury. An MMA fighter who is not on speaking terms with God winds up helping a priest fight evil as a hunt for the Black Bishop, a priest who worships the devil and deceives people in need. This is a Korean action horror movie, and I need to see this. It looks perfect. It looks just perfect. It looks like the right mix of serious at sometimes, goofy in others, and just very entertaining. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Check out the trailer. If you don't agree with me, then 100% skip this, but just, just keep an eye out for it. Who knows? The Diving Fury gets a 7 out of 11. 
Next up, we have another foreign film, this time from India. It's called Mission Mangal. Based on the true events of the Indian Space Research Organization, the ISRO, successfully launching the Mars Orbiter mission, making it the least expensive mission to Mars. I hate that that's a selling point, that that's like, oh, this is how it stands out. No, this country made it to Mars without going to another country for help. In the movie, they make a point of saying, hey, maybe we're failing so much, maybe we should go to NASA, maybe we should go to the UK, ask them. And this guy's like, no, we have to do this our own. If we keep on relying on these other countries, then we'll never own our accomplishments. This movie does look look really interesting, and I think that it'd be worth watching for A, the historical aspect, and then B, just for a, a movie from another country, which I think is always something worth watching, because it's always good to broaden your, your movie horizons, right? And if you are ever going to do it, this looks like a good film. This doesn't look like your typical Bollywood fair or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that can turn a lot of people off because they look at it as goofy, maybe, and not see that there's wonderful movies out there that just happen to have dance numbers at the end of it. This movie looks like it's worth a shot, but also I don't think you'd be terribly missing out if you do not watch it. Mission Mangal gets a 7 out of 11. All right, we have one, two, three, four, five movies left, and the next movie we have to talk about is called 47 Meters Down, Uncaged. Four teen girls diving in a ruined underwater city quickly learned that they f***ed up. They learned they've entered the territory of the deadliest shark species in this claustrophobic labyrinth of submerged caves. This stars Breck Basinger from Bella and the Bulldogs, Sophie Nellis from The Book Thief, and John Corbett from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And I liked the first 47 meters down. I, I did, but this one looks like they're... It's a little more stereotypical B-horror movie. Or even, like, C or D-level horror movie for this one. It looks like a bargain bin horror movie just happened to somehow get a budget that wasn't terrible because it doesn't look like this has any of the any of what made the first 47 meters down interesting. When I saw the first 47 meters down, I went with my friend named Bill. He has a great strong name, right? And I happened to see it for free because his wife bought our tickets and it was worth every penny. So let's just recap. First one worth a watch. This one jury's still out. 47 meters down, uncaged, gets a 5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film that I actually have a question to ask you about it, but first, let's talk about the film. It's called Angry Birds Movie 2. The flightless birds and scheming green pigs take their feud to the next level. This features the voices of, and in IMDb order, not any other specific order, Jason Sudeikis, Josh Gad, Leslie Jones, Bill Hader, Rachel Bloom, Aquafina, Sterling K. Brown, Eugenio Derbez, Tiffany Haddish, Danny McBride, Peter Dinklage, Pete Davidson, Maya Rudolph, Tony Hale, Jojo Siwa, Lil Rel Howery, Nicki Minaj, and David Dobrik. So here's a question I have to ask. I've been reading news articles saying that the Angry Birds movie 2 is the highest rated video game movie of all time. My question, do you count cell phone games like Angry Birds a video game? Because the way I look at it, it's technically 
a video game, but I don't count it as that just because it's some mindless time waster. And if you ask my dad, all video games are mindless time wasters. And even though, yes, Angry Birds is technically a video game, I just don't... Uh, something upsets me when I hear people calling it a video game. It could be that I'm an old man already. And I'm like, no, that's not a video game, you stupid kids. Mario Brothers, that's a real video game. So tell me your opinion on this. Do you count cell phone games like that to be an actual video game? But other than that, not much to say about this movie. This is a type of movie that you should only see if you saw the first one, or if you have kids that really want to see it. Because you know what? I I'll be truly honest. I don't think the story matters in a movie like this. It looks like just a stupid animated film that you watch, you might even laugh at and enjoy, but it's just not going to have the quality of something from the minds behind Pixar movies or even other Dream or DreamWorks films like... Uh, Shrek, How to Train Your Dragon, Kung Fu Panda, Rise of the Guardians, things like that. So if you really want to take your kids to see something this week, this could be it. Because if you have kids young enough, maybe they already saw the first Angry Birds movie. I don't know. But for me, the only way I would see this in theaters is if I got to see it for free. The Angry Birds movie 2 gets a 5.5 out of 11. Alright, three movies left, folks. And the next movie is called... Good boys. Three sixth grade boys ditch school and embark on an epic journey while carrying accidentally stolen drugs, being hunted by teenage girls, and trying to make their way home in time for a long-awaited party. This stars child prodigy actor Jacob Tremblay from Wonder, Keith L. Williams from The Last Man on Earth, Brady Noon from Boardwalk Empire, Will Forte from The Last Man on Earth, and Lil Rel Howry from Get Out. I liked this trailer. I liked it a lot. I laughed my ass off. And I 100% see the comparisons between this and and Superbad. This is like a younger and more modern version of Superbad. And I think this is going to be funny. I think it's going to be raunchy. I think it's going to be crass. I think it's going to be enjoyable for that special type of person who likes movies like this. If you're the easily offended type, if you're the easily grossed out type then you want to avoid this. But for everyone else who's not as tightly wound, this looks like a good, a good, funny movie to watch. Maybe nothing to watch in theaters, but maybe something to add to your collection the moment it comes out. And this looks like it has a, a great mix of slapstick comedy, easy, low-hanging fruit jokes, and clever jokes, too. Like with all movies, we have the chance that the movie blew its load in the trailer and it has nothing much else to offer us. But I think that I think that they have more. I think they're holding back more that we're not seeing. And I think this movie has a lot of promise. If you're in the mood for comedy, I think this is a movie you should watch. Maybe even play a drinking game. Pick a certain swear word and every time you hear it, take a drink. Just not a shot because you may kill yourself, but just a sip of a beer or something. I think this looks good. I will watch it one day, just not this week. Good Boys gets an 8 out of 11. Uh, so this movie was written, I believe, by Seth Rogen and Evan... What's his name? Hold on, let me see. Why was I wrong? So it was just produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. It's actually directed by Gene Stup Stupnitsky, I think. And it's written by Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg. Let's see what else they've done. Okay, they're mediocre. Uh, they were producers on The Office, which I didn't like, but I know was really popular. Uh, they did Year One, 
which was not bad. They did Bad Teacher, which is okay. Bedazzled, which actually I liked a lot. But actually, the reason I went back to talking about about Good Boys is because now, after this movie comes out, give it a year or two, and I want to see now one called Good Girls and show me a, a similar movie, but, you know, with girls. And just brought up the fact, and, and a good point, too, that would it be looked at as creepy? Because there is uh, there are sex jokes in this, and it's funny because they're boys. But if it was little girls, would it be looked at as creepy? But my thought is, if they did this with girls, they could have it be, the jokes be more about stereotypical little girl behavior with just some crass jokes thrown in. I, I think that would I think that would work, personally. Well, let us get on to the final movie that wasn't the pick, and this week was difficult for me. I almost had to do a dual pick because this movie and the actual pick I'm both excited for, but the pick of the week looks just a little better in my oh-so-humble opinion. The next film, and the one that didn't make it as pick of the week, is called Blinded by the Light. It's 1987, and Roops is a young man in a tough situation. He's stuck between wanting to be a modern young man versus being the young man his family wants him to be. He finds solace in the music of Bruce Springsteen, but the music starts a fire within him that won't be squashed that easily. Will he stoke that fire, or will he squash it in favor of his Pakistani heritage? This stars Haley Atwell from Captain America, Dean Charles Chapman from Game of Thrones, Nell Williams from Game of Thrones, Sally Phillips from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Rob Brydon from The Trip, and if you have good taste, Gavin and Stacey, and the first feature film role, Plain Roops, is Aaron Fagura. I think that's how you say it. And I'm also just assuming he's Pakistani, and not, no, not some, for some up reason like his looks or his parents' accents. Because there's a scene in the trailer where someone's spray painting some, you know, obscenities about Pakistani people. But enough about that. This trailer really caught my eye. I, I had no idea about anything regarding this movie before I saw the trailer, and it just sucked me in right away. And I feel that what they did here was they took a very basic premise. They took a premise we all know very well. We have seen movies like this a million times before about some young person who is who's wanting to be a, a modern kid who want, who wants to live in the modern world, but who is stuck with their family trying to get them to stick to the old ways. How many movies have we seen about overbearing Asian parents, about overbearing Middle Eastern parents, hell, about even overbearing American parents who just aren't okay with their kids being, you know, being so modern? This is a story we've seen a million times before, but what this story does differently is not only incorporate the music of Bruce Springsteen, but the lens in which this movie is shown through, I think really adds a wonderful effect to the film. Like if you just look at some of the scenes, it just has a different feeling from it, even though we know what kind of story this is. I mean, there's a lot about this that should be old hat that should make me not interested because we've seen it before we have the main parent the, the the father being the main parent that's overbearing that wants the kid to stick close to the heritage and not and basically not assimilate and then we have the mother who also kind of stands by the husband but is also like hey if you don't back the fuck off we might lose our kid so we have this this very familiar dynamic between the parents of the stubborn, overbearing, but still loving in his own way father. 
and the more open-minded, more aware mother. And we also have this kid, we have Roops, who wants to be part of this new world, who wants to be part of society, but he also sees that there's a big part of society that doesn't want him there. Even though this movie takes place in the 80s, I think its message can still can still hold true today. And no, this isn't just a political statement about, about America and the immigrants. This could go anywhere. This, this could take place in any country because every country has like this going on. No matter where, you, where you're from or where you move to, there's going to be people who either don't want to conform. And on the other side of things, there are people who don't want outsiders. So I think this movie was really smart in taking place in the United Kingdom. I think I left that part out in the United Kingdom in 1987, because we can tell this story that may have implications for this day and age, but not alienate people who may be on one side or the other of the modern argument. So I think this movie was really smart in doing that. It's even staying away from Brexit which is very impressive. And I think that's the best way to deliver a message is to alienate as few people as you can to try and get your message out as much as you can. And it looks like they're not even trying to hit too far home with this. They're just trying to tell the story of this young man. And if along the way we see a lesson in there, that's just icing on the cake. But first and foremost, this looks like a story of this young man and his dilemma and his struggle. And I do want to see this and I want to hear the music of the boss along the way. Blinded by the light gets a nine out of 11. And we have one movie left that is the pick of the week. And that movie is called Where Do You Go Bernadette? A loving mom becomes compelled to reconnect with her creative passions after years of sacrificing herself for her family. Her leap of faith takes her on an epic adventure that jumpstarts her life and leads her to triumphant rediscovery. This stars Kate Blanchett from Carol, Judy Greer from Ant-Man, Kristen Wiig from The Martian, Billy Crudup from Big Fish, and Lawrence Fishburne from Apocalypse Now. So this is based off a very popular book that Anne read, and from her own opinion, it's quite boring. But if you're familiar with popular books, you will know that sometimes they're not that great. Like Gone Girl was a very popular book. It really got people into the thriller genre. But if you compare Gone Girl to other thrillers, it's not very good. When I read it, I really liked it. And then I had Anne introduce me to other thrillers. And I was like, oh, this is so much better. This is so much better than Gone Girl. And it's kind of the Twilight effect, right? We have this, we have these books that may not be good, but it gets people interested in either reading or interested in a specific genre. And I do think that serves a very important purpose. But when it comes to the movie, it seems like they changed the story just a little bit. It seems like they changed the perspective because from what I hear in the book, we're following the daughter who's looking for Bernadette, who's looking for her mom. And she's just on the trail, but just a little bit behind each time. So we hear of the mother's journey and hear of the mother's rediscovery through the tales people tell her daughter. But in this movie, it looks like it's going straight from Bernadette's point of view. So it seems like it's going to be a little more interesting. And we're actually going to get to see Bernadette more instead of just hearing about what she did. And, and I think that was the proper way to do this because I still may read the book. I don't know. And she just told me that uh, actress Troy and Belisario is in this and her character in the book was just a brief mention where in the movie she actually has a character. 
And from just knowing what I know, which is not a lot about the book, I think that this was the right choice. I think they're taking what was a slow-paced book and making it something that's not fast-paced. This doesn't look like some action film or anything, but something that's going to be a little more interesting and a little more captivating. And we're going to get Kate Blanchett, who is one of God's gifts to acting. I mean, her pedigree when, when it comes to the movies she's been in is amazing. It's a Lord of the Rings series. Yes, please. The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, please. Elizabeth. Yes. The Aviator. We have The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. We have Hannah. She was good in The Hobbit, even though th that movie was garbage. Uh, she was in Monuments Men, which was okay. We have Carol. We have her as one of my favorite villains in movie history as Hela in Thor Ragnarok. She is great. Oh, I missed some people. Looks like Steve Zahn is also in this. Megan Mullally. Okay, that's really it for who I missed, but I think this movie looks good. I think the changes I made from the book are only going to serve to make it a better movie. I think the cast they pick was amazing. If you're going to have a main actress be in this and be the sole focus of the movie with everyone else just playing minimal roles, Kate Blanchett is one of the best you could do. I just learned a fun fact that Kate Blanchett is set to play Lucille Ball in a film called Lucy and Desi. This is a Lucille Ball biopic written by Aaron Sorkin. And I'm that that's all I need to know. I don't give a flying shit who plays Desi. No offense to Desi Arnaz at all. Desi Arnaz was was a true talent. But this is I this is what I need right here. I have Kate Blanchett, I have Aaron Sorkin. I am I am happy. But let's get back to where you go, Bernadette. This is a movie that could have easily been Oscar bait. We have this very well-known, super popular book, and you're going to try and turn it into a movie. You're going to get Kate Blanchett for the role. It could have very easily been just pathetic Oscar bait. But from the looks of the trailer, it, it really seems like it feels like the movie has a really good tone to it, like a really good feeling to it. Like it, it doesn't feel dishonest. It feels very true, if you get what I'm trying to say. Take some Oscar bait movies like The Revenant, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. We have these movies that are still good. I liked them. Well, okay, to be honest, I haven't seen Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. But if you even just look at the trailers for these movies, it, it just has this feeling of it that they know what they're trying to do and they're trying to sell this and they're trying to sell it for awards season. I don't get that same feeling for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I just see an interesting movie that could potentially be fun and heartwarming. And that's why this is my pick of the week. Where Do You Go Bernadette gets a 9 out of 11. And looking at the time now, seeing as how tired I am right now, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a show posted late Thursday, early Friday. So I'm sorry about that. But let us take our last break and get on to the question of the week. So here's our final word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. We now have the question of the week. And to remind you what it was, it was 
a cartoon from your childhood gets the Dora movie treatment, which cartoon would you pick? We turn to Twitter for our first answer, which comes to us from Brian Q, who said Johnny Quest. And that is an amazing answer. I loved Johnny Quest. I loved the reboot of Johnny Quest, you know, when they had Quest World and all that stuff. I, I love, I love, love, love Johnny Quest. The only problem would be the character of Haji. And, and I can understand that. I, I really can because it really wasn't the most politically correct character. But then again, it also, at least from what I remember, wasn't mean-spirited or racist. But in today's society, we're so hyper aware of these things that anything that doesn't sit inside of our PC bubble, people blow up at. And I think if they ever did a live action Johnny Quest, I think they should keep Haji and just show that, look, we understand that people would have would have issues with this. We understand that Haji, um, you know, was kind of a big stereotype in some aspects. But I also hope that they would celebrate the fact that Haji was never an idiot. Haji quite often helped save the day. Haji was a smart character. And I hope they would celebrate that instead of focusing on the negative of it. We turn to SoundCloud for the next answer, and it comes to us from our good friend, Frat Matt. Hello, Frat Matt. And he asks if they ever made a Curious George movie. They did, but it was not live action, so it did not get the, quote, Dora treatment. I don't know why I do air quotes when I'm recording. I flail a lot when I record. I have a lot of hand gestures, as Anne loves to point out to me. And none of you could see it, but I think, I would, li I would like to think that you know, you can tell, you can tell, and it helps. That is what I am sticking with today. Uh, but this movie, Curious George, came out 2006. It was an animated film, which is why I said it didn't get the Dora treatment. And I would like to see that. They would, of course, have to do a CG monkey because of, you know, all the regulations when working with animals. I guess we can't whip them anymore when they don't do what we want. Weird. So thank you, Frat Matt, for that answer. And it may be just that I love him so much, but I would I would pay to see Tom Hiddleston as the man in the yellow hat. I would pay good money for that. Anne answered, and she said, Mona the Vampire. And I had never heard of this show. Well, uh, she had told me about it before, so technically I knew about it, but I, I re-looked it up. And this was a show, oddly enough, from Canada that played in the UK about this 10-year-old girl and she believes that she is a vampire and her friend Lily believes she's a princess and her friend Charlie believes he's Zapman. And they go around confronting imaginary supernatural foes or solving a supernatural mystery in every, epi in every episode, but there's always a rational explanation for what they see. And it, Anne reminded me, she also has a cat, which is a huge selling point for us, and her, pat, her pet cat is Fang. I could totally see this being a movie. I could totally see this even going a different route where instead of it having a logical answer, like whatever the problem is, it really being supernatural. Because, you know, just like with Scooby-Doo, for a while, the show was all, it was always someone dressing up in a mask. It was always fake. It was always someone pretending to be a monster. And then eventually down the line, they started to run into real ghosts and ghouls, though the show is mainly still about real people pretending to do supernatural things and them, the, these these pesky kids catching them. So I can see them doing that. I can see them have having her used to all these supernatural crimes that have a reasonable explanation, but just so happens that this new one really is supernatural. Oh crap, I forgot Evans. Um, and she even reminded me too about Evans. 
So sorry, Evan. He says, in the spirit of dog movies, I would have to say Courage a Cowardly Dog, which I would love. I would love more Courage the Cowardly Dog, please. That was a great show. But he goes on to say, but actually, I would be okay with a Dexter's Lab, which, again, another great answer. And so many of you people have taken answers that I would have loved to say, so I have to think for a bit. I'll be right back. Okay, I found it. I I actually had to go down a list of cartoons from the 80s, and there's some great ones in here, things I would love to see, but you couldn't technically give it the Dora treatment because it would still need too much. Uh, Like, the main characters would be CG. Like, a Chippendale Rescue Rangers would be amazing. We could even do uh, Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. That would be great. We could see more Care Bears, Muppet Babies. But how about the Jetsons? I mean, they made a Flintstones movie and I liked it. I at least like the first one. I have to admit, I never saw the second Flintstones movie, but I think they can do a Jetsons movie and I think it could be really good or at the very least so nostalgic that I would overlook mediocrity. Now I'm stoked. Now I really want to see this. Someone make it happen. Chip, chop, chip. So it's time for a new question of the week and this one is inspired by the change in perspective from Where'd You Go, Bernadette. So stay with me here. Take a movie and it gets remade but from a different character's point of view. Anne gave the example of if they remade Goonies, but instead of the kids, it follows Sloth. So the story doesn't change. The only thing that changes is which character's point of view it's from. So once again, take a movie, and it gets remade from a different character's point of view. Which movie and which character? So thank you, my friends, for tuning in to Future Flicks with Billiam. So let us move on with the closing housekeeping, and I will send you along your way to the other wonderful podcasts in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. So here we go. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>